This episode of Get In The Game podcast is presented by the Sports Spectrum Magazine. Stories and articles on the intersection of sports and faith that you won't find anywhere else. I love this magazine, and I highly recommend you all subscribe and get your copy today. We keep our subscriptions affordable for everyone, and it makes a great gift, particularly for the kids. Subscribe today at sportspectrum.com and click the magazine icon at the top of the page. Get your subscription now at sportspectrum.com. You won't regret it. Hello, welcome to Get in the Game Podcast with your host, Scott Langer, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad. So let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get In The Game podcast, where we talk about faith and action, where we talk about what it means to go beyond the sidelines to get in the game of our faith. I've got here with me this week, Trevor Rosenthal, who's a former, or I'm sorry, current Major League Baseball player looking to get back into Major League Baseball. Trevor, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. That's There's some gray area there, so I'll forgive you. <laughs> Still figuring out that that title. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your your career path here. I know um, you've had several injuries here recently and been with a few teams, bounced around, and um, I I know what that feels like as a as a hurt reliever. Sometimes that's a tough position to be in. But um, but yeah, I'll um, I'll start by introducing you and just talking a little bit about what you've done. You you've been with several teams. You're um, been in the big leagues for over 10 years now, um, bounced around from, started with the Cardinals and that's where I first met you. You and I were teammates back in 2012 and you were this young up and coming 22 year old, I think at the time throwing a hundred miles an hour. Um, I know everybody, you know, was, uh, heads were turned by your potential, your ability, and you had some immediate success there with the Cardinals, some great years. Um, you went on to play for the Nationals, the Tigers, the Royals, the Padres, the A's, uh, a couple other teams mixed in there, but uh, didn't necessarily crack the field because of injuries. Uh, but you've been around, certainly. You've been around the block, and uh, you're well-respected throughout the league. And um, you were a Major League All-Star back in 2015 with the Cardinals. Uh, you had back-to-back 40-save seasons and even set a record for the Cardinals for with 48 saves, single season save record. And there's there's been some pretty good closers come through St. Louis. A guy, uh, Lee Smith, another guy, Jason Isringhausen. Um, man, that had to be quite a kick to to you know be uh, tossed up there with some names like that. Oh yeah. Well, um, t- tell us about that. About how I mean, you were really thrown right into the fire as a a 22 year old kid. Um, I know you only spent a couple of years in the minor leagues. Um, you weren't even really a pitcher. I, what I read is that when you were first drafted, you'd only had a handful of innings. You were playing shortstop. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's a that's a great story in and of itself, just being a junior college player, com- coming into junior college to be a third baseman, maybe have the potential to pitch, but they really slotted me in as a regular position player, ended up taking a role at shortstop, um, filling a need in that position and was there for the majority of the year, ended up having an opportunity to pitch. A scout saw me. It, ha- it happened to be a scout that was there to see another player on a, on the opposite team. 
And really from that day on, it was like an overnight success story. It was like, I turned into a pitcher. I was drafted by St. Louis. They saw the St. Louis scout actually only saw me pitch one time, like two thirds of an inning. And that was enough for him to go into the draft room and convince them to, to select me. They selected me in the 21st round, nothing extremely high, but um, still they were, they were, they were excited to get me in the system. And I, I was lucky to be drafted by the Cardinals. I mean, I can't, Imagine now you mentioned being around the block, but what a better, I can't imagine a better organization to come up with. They had so many, uh, you know, coaches and, and just directors that were influential in, in my, my maturity in the game and as a person. And I think I attribute, you know, a lot, a large part of my success to that. Well, I mean, it's hard enough just, you know, coming through the ranks that quickly going to a storied franchise like the Cardinals. Uh, but then going straight into a job where you're coming in, you're in the back end of the bullpen. You're coming into some tie ball games, seventh, eighth innings, um, games on the line. It's up to you. Sometimes you're facing the heart of the lineup. Sometimes you got you know multiple guys on base. Um, what is it? What What did you learn about maybe yourself, or or how did you approach that role uh, in coming into some highly leveraged situations like that? Yeah, uh, man. I think I was really, I don't know how I did it initially. I, I think I was really lucky that I put so much effort into my, my preparation, whether it was the off season or just any time I had an opportunity to take the ball and perform in practice or in a game, I really was in, was intentional about the mental process that I was putting myself through and just envisioning myself each time, you know, game seven, world series, ninth inning, two outs. And this is the, you know, every pitch, this is the pitch that matters. And, um, and then that was even developed more by the time I got into a major league clubhouse. And you were one of those guys that was in that major league clubhouse in 2012, when I came into spring training. Um, and I saw guys like yourself, you know, the Chris Carpenters and the Adam Wainwrights, the Lance Berkmans, these guys that as a young kid, I, I just, I just kind of sat back and watched and, and you guys were great. You guys poured, poured into me over and over again, but um, I saw that same type of mental discipline in, in the veterans that were in that clubhouse. And that that just solidified the process for me, knowing like, okay, I'm on the right track. I need to keep doing this. It's it's hard. It's different. It's not every single guy that I'm around in the minor leagues is, is having that same discipline process. Um, but that encouraged me to keep doing that. And and then by the time I got called up and was thrown, like you said, right into the fire, into these high leverage situations, it really felt not overwhelming at all. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, looking at myself from a 10,000 foot view, I could see like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe you're doing this and you're in this situation. This, you know, you were a kid and you dreamed of being a major league baseball player, let alone one, uh, a, a playoff team, the St. Louis Cardinals, a storied franchise, and they're trusting you with the ball in these situations. This is wild. But in those moments, I just felt prepared. I just felt like, okay, um, this is not overwhelming. I've, I've kind of placed myself in this situation before. So, man, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think I have a better understanding now than I did at the time. I'm just lucky that I did have that focus and discipline then. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I remember about you, Trevor, and, and still to this day, you've got a great work ethic and no doubt, you know, like the influence of guys like Chris Carpenter probably helped shape that. Um, and I think anybody would agree on the importance of physical conditioning when you're competing at a, a high level like that with some of the best players in the world. Um, and it's been said too, I think Yogi Berra once said that, you know, baseball's 90% uh, 
physical and the other half's mental, uh, or maybe some some version of that. <laughs> I love that but, one. Yeah, <laughs> but but let's talk about the mental game a little bit because you know you mentioned leaning on other players, um, but in my experience too, I heard a lot of guys with a lot of different takes on how they approach the game or how they approach their their program, be it a physical program or whatever they did mentally. Um, but from the mental side of it, like how walk me through some specifics of how you prepared yourself mentally to go out there. Oh man, that's a, that's a deep, deep answer. I would say like, I remember very early on, I I literally had a, like a step-by-step list that I would go through. I was a starting pitcher in the minor leagues and I had just developed this mental process, a physical process too, to prepare for each game. But I had like a mental checklist where I, I remember this sounds crazy and you really spurred a, a memory here, but just going into a, like the bathroom in the clubhouse and, and looking at my list on this on this notebook paper and um, it, it, I would have notes of like thinking, OK, this situation, this is what I'm going to do. It, it very like detailed of, OK, um, you know, first inning, second inning, runners on, nobody on and and, and almost to sum it up, like just visualizing and really feeling each of those moments before they ever happened. And um, I, I have to give a shout out. I had a, a good friend that helped me with that process process. He was actually a part of the Jager, we probably heard like Jager bands, the the bands for, you know, warming up the rotator cuff and things like that. But uh, working with him, he kind of helped me put this process into, into place. And I stuck with it. And then it got to the point where I didn't need the notepad anymore. And as I got into the bullpen, into the big leagues, it was just something that I would do kind of automatically. Um, and I, I like to, I joke, like I say, like my only superstition is I didn't like to be superstitious. So I wasn't intentional about doing the same things every single day, but that was my routine. That was where I felt most prepared and most comfortable by going um, through those mental steps. But I mean, there's so much that now today, I think, even goes into the mental process even more as I've experienced uh, really high highs and really low lows, you know, talking about mental performance, like, man, we could, we could probably talk all day about that because there's so many challenges in, and as men, as athletes, as high performers, um, the, our egos, our minds really like to play tricks on us. And uh, if you're not careful, it can, it can take you down roads that you weren't planning on going down. So I've, I've learned some things along the way that I think are, uh, are important. It's important for success in, in any field. And, and really to, to, to kind of cap it all off, I would say going back to the influence that guys had on me, um, you know, specifically one of my good friends, Matt holiday, I know we're both close with him and we, we had a conversation about this recently, but um, it's, it's helped me to understand that, example that that we set for others you know that the example that's been set for me when I was 22 years old and I was in the clubhouse with you guys these veteran players um, I didn't understand I knew something was different about the way you guys went about your business but to see how that's impacted and changed my life to this day now I'm, I, now I understand more deeply uh, how it, how much of a responsibility it is to take care of our minds to take care of our actions and to lead other people along the same course yeah, that's a great point, Trevor. I was literally having that conversation with my daughter this weekend, who's uh, a volleyball player, but, you know, talking about the things that we can control, you know, and there's so many things in the game, wh- whether it's volleyball or baseball or any game that we can't control. 
Um, and, and in a way we have to kind of resign ourselves to letting go of that. Um, but, but we stick with the things that we can control. And that's what I was sharing with her is, Hey, we can control things like our attitude. We can control our preparation. We can control our focus during, in the moment, you know, but I mean, there's things that, that we can prepare for and even write down in a script like you did and like, see it play out in our mind. (laughs) But we get out there and we can do everything right, and and it doesn't always play out like that. And so that's oh, yeah. t- to your point. That's where it can really start to mess with us a little bit because we think, well, that's not fair. I mean, I did the work, I I put in the time, I did everything that I needed to do to get the best result, and I didn't get that result. And yeah. man, that was something that I I prayed about before I went out on the field every time. Is you know, give me the, um the, the, the mindset to accept whatever results, you know, may come, let me be okay with that. And, uh, that was tough. That was probably one of the toughest things in my career. It is. I think it's, it's just a tough, I mean, sports teach so many life lessons and it's just like a great way to see that lesson played out in, in the sport, because if you haven't experienced it in life, like you're going to like, life's not fair. People have different outcomes with different types of inputs. Um, but it, it's it's so important to not to play the comparison game. And mm. um, I think it's hard, you know, as an athlete, you, you look around and especially when it's your livelihood and, um, you know, you have high expectations for yourself and you see other guys getting promoted above you or um, I do, you know, there's plenty of games where I, I went through all the things to prepare for the game and um, I was taken out. And after two thirds of an inning and I, I did it, couldn't even get out of the first inning of the game. And it was like, man, like, this is so frustrating. This wasn't, it's not, why isn't it going to my plan? Um, but in the long run, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, it's not, it's not my, I've learned my plan isn't always going to be the best plan or, mm. or what's ultimately my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need to get into that. Um, yeah. first I want to ask you just to kind of, you know, build the, the context for what you, you went through in your experience. Um, you know, you had those amazing years and on the front end of your career. Um, you know, I think, I think you reached a hundred saves, you know, as, as quick as like in the top three in terms of like your age to reach that, that number. Um, but then you had a variety of injuries. You had some arm problems, you had some hip problems, um, you, you, you worked hard. I mean, I know, you know, you put forth your best effort in, in getting through those injuries, but then sometimes that leads to mechanical issues, which contribute to, I mean, that, that's such a, a fine feel for that fastball, especially when you're throwing it at triple digits like you did. Um, and you can, you know, start to have some control issues. And I know that was a, an issue for you. Um, so all of these things kind of start to snowball and how, how did that mess with you, with your psyche and your head and just your feeling about, you know, your purpose and, and your identity? Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of days where it, it was hard. Like I, I remember conversations with my wife or with my agent and, um, you know, just feeling disappointed in, in myself, like you know, letting myself down or, you know, letting other people down in, I really early on, like, I know I got to the major leagues early, but I had an idea that the opportunity I was going to have to play major league baseball was a short window to begin with. And then when these things started compiling it, it really felt like that window was closing faster than I thought it would. And, um, 
and that was an uncomfortable feeling. It left me with a lot of uncertainty and, and I wouldn't say I necessarily had like an, an identity issue at that time, but, um, it certainly it was uncomfortable, it, you know, not having the success that I was used to and kind of having that taken away from me and having to look at things from a different perspective. But I can say, looking back now, I was super proud of the way I did handle it. And specifically after the 2019 season where I really struggled, I uh, had a great contract opportunity with the Washington Nationals. And it just, my performance led to me getting released out of that contract and not hitting a lot of the performance bonuses and incentives that were in place. And um, I really just chose to just kind of wash it away and not think about it. I got home, I just went back to work um, and ended up getting to a really good place performance-wise again. And that that paid off in a really big way with an opportunity with the Kansas City Royals, which unfortunately that year uh, was the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. And it was another thing where it was like, man, like looking back now, um, the story, if I tell the whole story, you know, 2020 coming off 2019 2020 get back in into the who that trevor rosenthal had been and then it was like that season was taken away from me and then uh 2021 uh hip injury that season was taken away from me after you know all this work that i had put in to get back to to the the guy had got, had got called up early at a young age in the major leagues but um going through it man I, there was so much peace and it, i just felt like god was really at work just you know it felt like he was uh, taking care of me the whole time. And, and there was no worries. And I try to really use that now, even today, as I'm continuing to go through some seasons of uncertainty where it's like, Hey, you know, look, look back at what you've been through and and how you've been taken care of. And there's no need to worry. It might not look like your plan exactly, but it, it's going to work out. And so um, I know now, like I, I try and really put that at the forefront of everything I think about. So I want to talk about your your faith background because I'm curious if that was something that was well established before baseball ever you know took its um, its place in your life, or if that was something that did your faith develop as you were going through these experiences in baseball? Yeah, it was developed. I mean, my I grew up in a Catholic household. My you know I, when I spent time with my grandparents, they were at mass every morning at six a.m. Uh, you know with my family, with my parents, we were at the church every, every Sunday did probably didn't miss more than a handful of Sundays, my whole childhood, um, which was, I think a big influence on me. I, don't, I wouldn't say my faith relationship was necessarily as personal then as it is now. And I attribute a lot of that to the relationships I had through baseball, going through the minor leagues, through the baseball chapel, so many good chaplains that poured into the guys um, on those teams that I was with. And, and that really, encouraged me to continue to keep digging, keep asking questions and, and doing the work myself. But um, being surrounded by so many guys in the big league clubhouse too continued uh, to really encourage me and and show me that there there was uh, something greater than than just the experience that that I was having. And you could see that in in their lives. Um, uh, guys like, you know, Adam, I see Adam Wainwright's jersey behind you and, and Matt Holiday is another one, a, a big influence on my life and with it, with his faith and how he's lived that out. And you could just see as a 22 year old kid, I had a 23 year old wife and we had, we were thrust into this major league lifestyle environment um, and, and trying to learn how to handle it. Those guys were very impactful, just seeing their lives and how they lived them. They were different. 
And I wanted, I wanted what they had. They seemed happy and they didn't seem overwhelmed by the platform that they were given. And, and ultimately I wanted to be um, as close to that as I possibly could. So, yeah, I think the faith, my faith has definitely been a big part of success on the field, off the field, and helped me to be encouraged to continue uh, to pursue my aspirations even now. Um, and I know, you know, God is good and he's always working for what's best. And uh, that makes me excited for the future. If, if baseball is in the cards and, and if not, either way, um, I know there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. So talk about that. What, what are your um, plans for the future? Where are you at right now? What, what are your hopes for this coming season? Yeah. So last year, another, another crazy year had ended up hurting my elbow in the first game of the season. I tried to rehab it for a few months. Then we uh, ultimately ended up having Tommy John surgery in June. So I'm in the middle of that, that recovery process now about six or seven months in a few more months to go before I'll be cleared to return to competition in, in June of this year. So about halfway through the season will is kind of the marker I'm eyeing to hopefully get back on the field. But um, at the same time, I, I'm, I've, I've been exploring other options because I do understand that baseball will be coming to an end at, at some point. I've had some free time to explore some other things and um, I'm excited about that as well. But I really am just trying to keep myself in a place of, of just continuing to rely on God and, and in my faith that whatever happens, like it, it's going to be good. I, I can't say exactly now what that is going to be, um, but I'm just continuing to look to grow and, and help others impact uh, the communities that I'm put into. We recently moved out of St. Louis, Missouri to Houston, Texas. So in a new place, meeting new people. And have a lot of opportunity, uh, whether that's in baseball or not. So just continue to look to rely on rely on the faith and and do what I can. Yeah, Trevor, you used a word um, here in um, the last few minutes talking about remembering, um, and I love that idea because I think as a faith follower, um, that's one of the things that I think we must do is we must go back. We must go back to God's word. We must look at um, at how He took care of His people throughout the story of the Bible. And then we also look at our own lives and think about, you know, wow, looking back in this situation and how he protected me or or this, you know, trial, he he definitely gave me what I needed to bring me through that. Um, I think a lot of us just become so short-sighted, especially when we're in the middle of a crisis and we just think like, all we can focus on is the here and now. I mean, why am I going through this? God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why don't you get me out of this? Yeah. Um, and, and we forget that Hey, he's brought us through a lot of things, and I'm I'm a big fan of journaling, and I love to go back and look at journals from years ago and think about, you know, wow, there was some really serious stuff happening back then. But I remember that whole situation. I remember how he saw me through that, and what that does for me is give me faith for the future and knowing that in this trial he's going to do the same thing because he is incapable of lying, and and his promises are true no matter whether it's this year, five years ago, or 2000 years ago. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, I, that, that's so true. And I think something looking back at my experience and it's fresh right now. So it's like, it's, it's a little bit easier to, to call on and to remember. Um, but it, it hasn't all, I, I, I think I put a really positive spin on it. That's just how I am naturally. Um, but it wasn't all positive. There, there was lessons, hard lessons that I had to learn. I know we talked about it before we got on here, but you know, ego and pride being 
being one of those and um, to go through some of the hardship. Yeah. Like it, it wasn't necessarily what I would have wanted. And if I could do it all over again, I, I would have, I would like to have a better outcome in a lot of those areas, but um, some of the, the, the core character traits that it's, it's developed in me with, with patience and with selflessness, you know, those are things that I don't know if I could have learned those with, without those hardships. And, um, I like to say that I, I would have, I don't want to sound my, myself sound like a bad guy, but I mean, it's so easy to become prideful, especially when you're living out your dreams and everything's kind of falling into place the best way you could possibly have imagined. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's my story. I think that's my story to continue to live out and, um, who knows, who knows who will be impacted by my story. And I, I just take, um, a lot of, a lot, a lot of intentionality and a real sincere interest in, in using that story the best way I possibly can, because, um, I've seen how guys have impacted me with the way they lived out their lives. And I want to continue to do that for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I want to lead into, you know, how you have used your position, your role as a baseball player to help serve other people. And as I was researching for this interview, um, there was something about a visit that you made way back in 2016 to a 10-year-old boy in St. Louis, Ethan, who was bitten by a dog. And when I brought that up, you said, oh yeah, you immediately remembered that. And you had other memories too, but can you talk a little bit about why that gave you such joy to to use your position as a baseball player to to reach out and to um, to just try to brighten someone's day? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have to say, first of all, like that, that, um, I don't know that, I guess that not that interest, but that, that willingness to do those things was encouraged by others. I saw, you know, you hear stories about Albert Pujols and and Matt, like and maybe not as public knowledge, but these guys after a game unsolicited would, would show up and, and visit with a family. And there's countless stories that I could tell you of seeing these guys go out of their way to, to just be a positive light in, in somebody's hard day. So um, that's where that all came from. And, and so I'm like, Hey man, these guys are doing it. I should probably do it too. And, and as I started to do it, it, it crazy, crazy to be in that seat. Like just, I mean, talk about being a major league baseball player, but um, to be able to walk into a family's room, whether it's the hospital or their home um, you know, my wife was with me on a lot of these visits and, it's impacted our lives forever. I mean, we've been involved in a lot of different uh, philanthropic uh, missions and seen a lot of things change. But when you're when you're there firsthand and, and these people, you're seeing them potentially at their worst and um, to see how interested they are in, in me and like, oh, my gosh, it's Trevor Rosenthal. You know, can you take a picture and, um, you know, just talking life and just seeing what's going on with them. Um, man, I can't tell you how how cool of an experience like that has been um, just, you know, just to be good. And, and we're all human and we all, we all have tough days and things that happen in our lives that um, we, we can't, we can't even imagine planning for. So uh, yeah, I, I've, I've really, I've really enjoyed that. And I, I would say I'm thankful that I've seen other people do that as well and kind of lead that example. And, and that's my encouragement for everybody, whatever place you're in, being involved in just giving things away out of the kindness of your heart um, with no expectation of anything in return. I mean, that's ultimately 
how we experience God's love. I mean, that's God's love for us, right? He's lavishly poured out for us and with no expectation really in return. There's nothing that we could do to ever repay that gift. Yeah. And and to me, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd love your opinion on this, but I feel like doing things like what you just talked about, that that's, that's not only something that, you know, helps us, you know, build our brand for others who are looking and, you know, we want to be seen as a good guy. Um, for me, that was something very necessary. Like I needed to do those things to prevent that, that pride and ego from, from welling up. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it, yeah. And, and that's a good life lesson that I've learned is just putting myself in uncomfortable situations, like usually pays out a pretty good dividend on the back end. There's something that that challenge develops inside of me that I, I probably wouldn't have had if I would have chosen to just stay at home or sit in my locker. And, um, sorry, the dog's barking, but, um, and, and, and sell my phone or, you know, do whatever and, and, and choose not to be involved. So, yeah, I mean, getting uncomfortable is an important mm -hmm. thing to do in our lives. Yeah. Can you think of other um, stories or circumstances like that where you, you really stepped outside of your comfort zone to serve others and how that made you feel? Yeah, there is. There's a there's a there's a lot of them. Um, there's a few that come to mind. I mean, recently. Uh, I was, I've just been messaging with one of my friends. He's the, a videographer for Brace for Impact, one of the organizations that does work in, in Haiti and in the in the downtown St. Louis area. But they're in uh, they're in Haiti right now. So he's been sending me pictures and like, hey, I wish you were here. So we went on a on a trip to Haiti recently with Brace for Impact and Kyle McClellan and, and his group. But um, but that one was really eye opening. I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, there. I think the the main thing that I took away um, <laughs> and, and just being like completely honest, like being just like kind of spoiled, like being a major league baseball player and, you know, life's pretty good. There's not many opportunities that I don't have access to. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, um, you know, most affluent person in the world, but I, I'm pretty, pretty content with, with life and it's enjoyable, but to go to a place like that, and to see people who really just don't have anything at all other, other than what what you can see and what's just right around them right there and and not much opportunity um, for things in, in their future either. Like it, it's pretty a grim outlook when you look at it from an economy standpoint, from um, just the, the situation that they're at with their country and their government and and meeting these people being on the ground. They're the, they're so happy. Like we had such a good time with these people. Beautiful country, beautiful people. They were very kind and I enjoyed spending spending time with them. And it was just a really, um, uh, I don't know, like mind changing experience mm -hmm. to see, to look at my life myself, like, man, like how, how could I ever complain about anything? Like not only is our, this life super short, but like I, I have it really good. And if somebody with absolutely um, with, with far less than, than I've had and, and I'll have in the future can be happy. Like I should definitely be able to be happy. So, um, man, I, I really enjoyed that. And that I'm, I'm glad I, I, I can't wait to go back again. I mean, I miss it. Seeing the pictures, seeing some of the people that we met a few, I guess it's been about two years ago now and how much they've grown in that short period of time. Um, man, it, it that was a really cool experience. 
Trevor, um, your I think your your whole situation equips you to speak on this, and so I'd just love to hear your thoughts. Can you explain why God's plans are always better than our plans, and how do you get to a spot where you can trust that that God's really got the best plan, and that that my plan is as much as I may want to write it down and and plan for it and try to map it out to get there. Uh, I really have to relinquish the, the control to do that. Yeah, I think because it, I mean, so to answer the first part of the question, uh, I mean, if you just reading the Bible, like that's been such a clear testimony of like God's plan is always better. There's all of these stories of of how if like you just would have done what the plan was that God laid out and followed these simple things, things would have gone a lot smoother and you wouldn't have had to learn the hardships on the way. And I've seen that play out in my life where times when I get off track, things happen to where, I, you know, I believe it's God, maybe coincidence, who knows, but there's things that are pushed me back onto the path that I should have been on. And it's like, okay, uh, I need to stop testing those waters. I need to stop testing going on what Trevor thinks is best. I mean, certainly like we have free will and there's decisions that we have to make every single day. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times there's something inside of us that gives us an inkling of what we should be doing. And I don't always listen to that voice. Sometimes I, there's another voice that I choose to listen to instead that, that thinks it has a better, better idea or is a little bit smarter. And, um, I think Adam and Eve could maybe even relate to that voice and, and how tempting it is to listen to it. But um, man, just looking at my life up to this point, 33 years old, there's been so many amazing things that have happened I could have never imagined. There's been bad things that have happened I could have never imagined. And and through it all, I can tell you, like I'm still standing. I still have breath in my lungs, and and so God is good. And and I I just really do trust that that. He is, he is good. And, and, and whatever happens is for his good, for his glory. And, and ultimately what's best for me. Um, and then for the second part of your question of, of what, what was like, why we get off track? I mean, it, I think it's just hard. I think it's, there's so many influences in this world that we live in that tell you otherwise that tell you to do these things and, you know, marketing, digital marketing, you know, influence in our communities like those things are really good at convincing us um the shiny object is is a good idea to chase after so uh, it's no easy thing to walk a, a straight and, and narrow path but it is important i think it's a daily a daily intentional process of waking up and making those decisions over and over and never it never gets easier. I mean, I thought it would. I honestly, like I thought, okay, I'll play in the major leagues. I'll have this career and then I'll retire and I'll ride off into the sunset and life will be great. And it's just not the case. It's just life is hard. There's a lot of things that uh, responsibilities and choices that we have to make that have an impact. And it's really important to make the best ones possible every single day. Trevor, I love what you said right there, and it reminds me of Jesus's command when he talks about anyone who would be my follower. You know, one of the prerequisites that he gives is he must daily take up his cross and follow me. And whatever that cross may be, but, you know, it, it could be, um, you know, your career or for someone else, it could be pride, it could be money, it could be a relationship. I mean, we all can insert, you know, what 
what we really have to struggle with. But if we lay that before God, if we hand it to him and say, this is not mine, this is yours, and I just I want to be about doing your will and not not going after my own plan. Yeah. And and Bible says we have to do that daily. And uh yeah. I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great encouragement for our listeners too. It's a simple prayer that we can just pray in the morning and say, God, you gave me this day. I'm gonna give it back to you. I'm gonna do everything, you know, every action that I take, every word that I speak is gonna be for you. And that's a great way to just start and and a great way to serve. It is. And ultimately it's all it's all his anyways, whether it's you know, things values possessions money like we're kind of just putting a place to steward it as best possible and that that mindset shift helps me a lot too with how i treat people around me and treat people close to me it's um hey like it may look like i have a lot but i, I don't it's not mine like i'm i'm just here and and we're all in this together so let's uh let's see what we can do with it Trevor thank you for your wisdom thank you for sharing your story uh i really look forward to watching this season um i I pray that uh that these injuries that you've dealt with maybe can um, find some resolution and you can get back out there and do what you love to do and would would love nothing more than to see trevor rosenthal be the comeback player of the year i'm rooting for you buddy hey i appreciate it. thanks for having me on I've, I've listened to the show i love what you're doing obviously i love hanging out with you i wish you got to see more but um this was this was very very cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And I'm I'm uh, really grateful for your story and hope that encourages the people listening. Take care, buddy. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Get in the Game podcast, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. Check out sportspectrum.com for more content. And while you're there, consider subscribing to our Sports Spectrum magazine. It makes a great gift and is perfect for the sports fan who loves Jesus. You can subscribe today at sportspectrum.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Get in the Game.